The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett, and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 74. Today is September 22nd. Of course, as we record this, it's a couple days early for me and Steve this time. I'm Van Burnett. He's Steve Giswelli. We are thrilled to have you guys with us for another great show of Wins Above Fantasy. We're going to be talking about interesting late-season performances. Nice little spin-off, Steve, from a topic we were kind of tease in a couple weeks back and really the general idea is that people tend to switch over mentally this time of year and whether it's fantasy football or they're just a little jaded from having gone through the grind and not won whatever the case may be every year there's kind of an opportunity here when everyone switches off to pay attention to some trends and some production so we'll talk about all that stuff and how it might impact next year as well throughout the show. But love having you guys with us. You guys can follow us on Twitter at WinsBovePod. I'm at Van underscore Verified and Steve is at Stav8818. Steve, welcome back, man. How's uh, fatherhood going? How's uh, mid-September going for you? It's good, It's good, man. Uh, still enjoying some... I guess it's now seasonably, but uh, it's it's been really warm here, which is... You know, we kind of just go from summer to fall, which, uh, or summer to winter. There, there's no really in between. <laughs> I was going to uh, say, we, yeah, most yeah. people go summer to yeah, fall. It's yeah. just that, like how the is, seasons go, Steve. Yes, that's normally how it works. But here in the Northeast, it usually just goes from like 80 degrees one day to like 50 and 40 the next. Uh, we're still in like sure. the 80 degrees, which I don't mind. Uh, I know some people uh, really like the. Uh, 60 degree afternoons 45 50 mornings which is nice you know football weather that sort of thing but uh-huh. uh we're, we're still having a, a an extended summer here which whatever I, I i don't mind a few extra days down the shore for me um but yeah uh grinding it out still uh having some leagues going on uh, i was just eliminated in my other uh home league in a, in a in a playoff series which was tough that was a keeper league where i basically mortgage my future at least next year for uh to try the win but oh well uh it, it happens uh, it was our first year in the league kind of got used to some some things and had some lesson learns and, and and things like that but uh still grinding away uh in a few nfbc leagues and and enjoying it man uh september 22nd as this comes out there's 
really like less than two weeks uh, left in the season. I think it ends like the fourth or the fifth of October. So uh, uh-huh. we're basically right there, man. So uh, enjoying it while we have it. Yeah, and then I don't know, Steve, if it's the next episode or the week after. Actually, that trip I thought I had got pushed back, so I'll, I'll be I'll be around, cool. which is good news. But it, dude, I'm pretty excited about the playoff picture this year. Like, oh, is yeah. it me or is there a lot more? Uh, you know, just to watch as like a neutral. Obviously, I'm in it with the Cardinals, but I don't really know that they're going to make a deep run necessarily. I just think it's. It's an exciting time to be around baseball. Absolutely. And I just think the expanded playoffs have been a good thing. I think those short series will be awesome. Um, yeah, it, it, it's always nice to step back in, in the playoffs and just watch baseball without having to worry about your fantasy teams. Uh, I, I, I at least find that uh, refreshing. Um, where I'm not like switching the the MLB TV app from one game to another to see who's pitching or finding in that bat for me, I could just sit down and watch a intense good playoff game. And you know, yeah. to be to be honest, like the quality games are much better uh, in the playoffs. Just overall, it's just because there's better teams. So naturally, uh, not breaking any any news there in the crowd that, though. Like no one's yeah, really on sure. their phones. Like everyone's there watching the game. It's like yeah. the true. The true sport versus us playing the game all season long mm-hmm. because, like you said, we're kind of like hunting fantasy stats and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But super excited. We'll have to uh, talk about that plenty. But for today, Steve, we're talking about interesting late season performances. I know I kind of gave it the uh, teaser on the intro. Anything to add on just the topic in general? I mean, it, it's pretty self explanatory, but also I think there's a little bit of you know, upside, if you want to throw out that word, to paying attention this time of year just because you know that one out of maybe five, if not more, fantasy managers are pretty much turned off and moved on. So talk to me a little bit about the topic, then we'll get into a nice little mix of about eight names. Yeah, and, and not even if you're if you're not as tuned in or eliminated or, or just have some fatigue or a lot of people just move on to different things at this point of the year. You know, if you're chasing a category, like if you're chasing steals, right? Like you're on the waiver wire looking for that one category basically every day, right? Like you, that your, 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 your vision is sort of tunneled to that statistical need. I know that's probably a bit more nuanced than it actually is. Like you care about just good players in general at all times, whether you're going for, for categories or not. But you know, you make decisions or if it's late like a year. third baseman. Like a third baseman goes yeah. down, you're only looking for third baseman type. Yeah. Thing. Or there's a lot more tunnel vision this year because it's so specific and so, okay, I need to do this. And you make decisions and cut guys that you normally wouldn't in redraft leagues. So it's just a different time of year than, than like a big picture toward of April breakout. So uh, that could lead to a lot of guys going under the radar and it's important to pay attention to these performances because there's sometimes changes that take place mid-season that we might not notice and guys that continue that we thought would fall off uh so um yeah it's a good topic and i sort of wrote about it with some pitchers last year and most have done pretty well as far as like second half performers uh for pitchers um it might be easier just because 
at least for me, it's always easier to identify like pitching breakouts just because of those things that we talked about last week with like pitch mix, velocity change. So, um, but there's still some good hitters on this list too. So I think it's a great topic. Well, let's let's uh, hit on the process briefly. What we did was pretty much set a divider line on August 1st and looked at the performances since August 1. So this has got about you know seven ish weeks of a sample size here but steve why don't you lead us off again these aren't going to be you know many of these guys are are likely rostered i think that's part tipping a cap to what we saw this year but part looking into next year but uh steve set us off with uh number one that you got yeah and and for hitters most guys have like somewhere between 160 and 190 plate appearances so uh, a pretty good sample like uh almost the you know, a little under a third of the season, um, which is which is which is substantial. So, we're not yeah. dealing with uh, super small samples here. Um, but the first guy I wanted to break up, um, someone that I traded far too early in basically every league that I had him, um, and that's Michael Harris. Second, I remember to this day uh, how I found out about Michael Harris getting called up was I was at a. Uh, a party for a friend who ran uh, the the Brooklyn Half Marathon in in late May, so I wasn't like glued into Twitter or to my phone. But I got a text from you about Michael Harris being called up right. and like should we pounce? And the first thing I thought was, oh my gosh, you know he's been called up. The news is an hour or so old, and my first come first serve leaks. He's probably gone, um, and he wasn't because. I guess it was such a shock that he came up originally and, you know, he was in double A. Leapfrog and triple A. Yeah. yeah. So, and, you know, he was a top prospect, but not like a a Corbin Carroll or O'Neill Cruz that, like, were just on the precipice and, like, people were chomping at the bit to add him or, or stashed right. already. So we have two NA spots and he wasn't even in, in one of those. So that sort of goes to show you uh, in a 14-team league in my home league, you know, how shocking this all is and – you know, uh, another shocking stat for Michael Harris on the slugging leaderboard since 8 1, uh, it goes as follows. It's Aaron Judge, who's slugging 779 oh since August gosh. 1st. <laughs> and then. That is ridiculous, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. He's playing a different sport. It's, it's insane what Aaron Judge is doing. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, no need. We can go into that on a different show. Uh, so he's number one, obviously. Then a gigantic gap, number two, Shohei Otani, uh, another guy who's just having an absolutely insane season in his own right at 630. And number three, Michael Harris, 621 slugging since August 1st. Um, that's qualified uh, uh, around the time. So, you know, uh, everyone has that sort of uh, minimum point appearance threshold for the time. But, yeah. Uh, Michael Harris is third in the league in slugging since August 1st. So I was wrong to sort of cut bait early and, and chip him off as he had a little, little, little speed bump uh, there in July. Um, and I am regretting that I traded him in that keeper league that I was eliminated from this week. Uh, I am going to kick myself for that uh, just because I would have had Harris at extreme discount for probably the next three years uh, if I wanted to so um, you know there are still some concerns but 
those have had some improvements. You know, the O swing and the the, the swing strike for Michael Harris uh, have gotten better marginally, but they've improved, which is what you like to see. On the year, he had a 43% O swing, so chased 43% of the pitches that he saw outside the zone. Uh, since August 1st, it's been 39%. So a 3% uh, uh, increase there. Uh, it improved his swing strike rate uh, by about 2% from 14.3% down to 129 so maybe a little less there, but still some improvements. Um, you know, since that time, he's had a 24% strikeout rate, 5% walk rate, so kind of in line with what he's been doing. Um, but what, what is encouraging with Michael Harris is that he always walked at, at close to 8 or 9%. Uh, at every levels in the minor so you know there is some track record of improvement there and it's not like he's doing this with the super high k rate um that would throw a red flag and 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 give you sort of some you know keston hero worries for next year or you know even pre uh breakout austin riley where the k percentage was high and he needed to work to get that down it's not like harris needs to make these major adjustments um we would just Mm -hmm. like to see him chase a little less so you know uh it's really really picking nits with 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 trying to find a problem in harris's game so uh it's just something to to marvel at uh you know he's only gotten better as time's gone on it seems like yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan. I mean, I wish he walked a little bit more. He's actually walked more throughout the minors. Granted, again, it wasn't necessarily too long of a look at high minors, but just a 4.2% walk rate on the season for Harris. But in 100 games, 18 homers, 16 steals, batting 305. And like you pointed out, Steve, it's only gotten way better in in that since August 1 sample he's batting 340 granted that's propped up by a a BABIP that's well over 400 but he's also got speed which is part of the profile it's just you know all together I mean are we comfortable next year drafting him as like a 285 certainly 2020 guy right I mean I think if you want Michael Harris next year you're going to have to Pay for uh, him in the second round, in in, in no, yeah, uh, second. You think? I, I I I don't see why not. Like this is just, yeah. I guess you're right. I mean, it's, he's ranked. It's, he's, 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 ranked. Almost, he's almost going to be 2020 this year in, you know, uh, 115 games. Uh, yeah, he's two homes. He's ranked four 65th. Steals yeah. Right now in 5x5, five five, he's ranked 65 overall, and he's you know obviously missed a good good chunk of the season before he got called up so yeah maybe you're right i mean i was thinking maybe that this would be like a round four decision but you're probably right with the age and he's been batting sixth and seventh you have to imagine next year like think about up in the order think about what happened with you know uh um louis robert you know uh like some of these guys yeah these guys with with power and speed and and when they have good years with, with the average um you know, uh, the the price on him, the price on those guys just just skyrockets. Like, there's going to be so much helium around him in, in, in draft season, and you know maybe he'll start off as a third, fourth rounder. But I think by mid March we'll be talking about Michael Harris, second rounder. So, so with this 
I guess, analysis and saying that we like that, you know, A, it's not getting worse, B, things are kind of incrementally getting better. Has he moved in your books from I'm sprinting away from him on draft day because of the helium to, you know, if you're if you're feeling froggy, you, you could kind of go for a little mini discount if he maybe falls around or something in, the, in a draft. I, I'm a firm, firm believer in Michael Harris. I really think he is a very, very good player. Uh, you know, uh, I wish I held on to him in the leagues that I added him. I, I, I wrote him out, and you know, he brought me a lot of success where where I do have him. It's and it's but. nothing of of what he's doing, right? It's just that like you're it's paying you're paying the premium and i think i've i've learned sort of a heart le- harsh lesson like don't pay for the premium on guys you know draft judge when he's a second rounder don't draft judge when he is the first overall pick next year not part of your lessons yeah that's part of your lesson learned um, not saying that judge shouldn't go one overall whatever but that's it, fair it, it just don't pay for you know past performance at, at, at a at a price that's inflated so uh i don't know if i'll have that much michael harris despite how much i like him next year totally fair uh and we'll have to watch uh man unlucky that he and teammate spencer strider are just like duking it out over the uh, NL Rookie of the Year there, but that'll be fun to watch. So yeah, that's a great don't they don't they don't they split those from time to time, or is that only in foot? Like, is it possible to tie or something like that? And I, I, I know it's been a been a while. Uh, I, I know they did that in like the NFL, like with MVPs a while ago. But yeah, I, I, I think the voting would have to be exactly tied, right? Which would be pretty uh, shocking. It'd be fitting. It would be but, it would be yeah. fitting though, because For right sure. now Strider Strider is the favorite, being. Uh, just set the record for fastest player ever to get to 200 strikeouts, which yeah. I thought was insane. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, at, at this point, I think it's Strider, but Harris is right on the heel, so it'll be a lot of fun. But I, I see your point on the draft day, so we'll we'll keep it moving here. And Steve, I know you had to have gotten a chuckle when you saw this on the rundown, but I had to had to call back in my boy. Mr. Eugenio Suarez, who anyone who's listened to the show for an extended period of time knows that um, he was, I, I was a firm fade on Suarez a couple seasons ago, and it felt like it was something we were monitoring every other week. Uh, this year, though, Steve, I got to defend myself that I was on the record saying, given where the, the discount fell, this was kind of in that Bobby Dahlbeck corner infield pop range that we kind of liked the bargain and Suarez you know he he was solid throughout the season kind of in his own way but since August 1st it has been special now of course we got to say that he he hit the 10-day IL last Saturday should be back for playoffs but since August 1st Suarez 176 WRC plus this is like good Suarez like Mm -hmm. the the 246 average you can always count on the walks, a 352 on base and a 616 slug. 15 homers in that time for a 370 ISO. Uh, the ground ball rate has dropped, and he's turned a lot of those into fly balls, which is obviously what you want to see for a slugger like Suarez. 
Second in the majors since August 1st with a 59.4% fly ball rate. So really putting that power to use. And I kind of saved the best for last here. Since 8-1, just a 26.5% strikeout rate, which is what we've always said with Suarez. And if he can get out of his own way there, there's so much good power that he has. The first four months of the season, that strikeout rate was a 32.4%. So dropped it almost six ticks. And, yeah, now it's looking good, man. All of a sudden you look at the the season line for Suarez. He's got 31 homers, uh, 72 runs, 84 RBIs and counting. And the average at 235, especially in this environment, is kind of solid for for a guy of his profile. So, you know, I just wanted to give him a shout-out here. And next season, as, as you're drafting... This is a period I don't think you want to forget about with Suarez, cleaning up the plate discipline, and maybe instead of thinking like, oh, he's going to be a huge, he's going to tank my average, I can't completely sell out for power, maybe there's a little renaissance going on here. Steve, what do you think? Yeah, this is kind of exactly what I envisioned for Eugenio Suarez when I gave pushback on your sell of him last year. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like, this line is like kind of exactly what I envisioned, exactly what I pitched that could have been, you know, uh, low average, but a cheaper way to, to find 30, 30 homers, you know, uh, the K rate's going to be bad, but you know, he'll make it, he'll live with it just because, you know, of that raw power. Um, and looking at his stack cast sliders, like, you know, the outlier looks to be 2021. Um, you know, all of the exit velos are in line with like the last, you know, three years. It's not 2018 when he was, you know, essentially like, you know, uh, like a top five round talent um, with, you know, uh, a a much higher average and and a lot of homers. But, you know, a a prototypical high strikeout, low batting average slugger, that's what he's back to being. You know, the barrel percentage is is much better – and, and the hard hit numbers are, are are more in line with what you expect from Eugenio Suarez. That being said, um, now that he's thirty one and thirty two, despite this, these are these are the type of profiles that may just fall off a cliff without without warning. Um, like, you know, there's always going to be twenty twenty one in the back of my mind, and. I think mm-hmm. that just might happen again with, with these sort of profiles. Um, I may miss out, but I may go elsewhere for you know cheaper power, uh, especially considering the price might be a little bit inflated with how hot Suarez has finished the year. Yeah, I'm curious about the price, but I've I've got a hunch that that the the memory has not gone away for for people yeah. and there's not a lot of like ballpark sizzle and all that stuff which it hasn't been an issue for him obviously so yeah i think maybe the magic number is like almost where people were grabbing like uh i don't know like your your Josh Donaldson's this year it like i could see him landing in like the 175 and beyond range which Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe with this production, people will have him pushed up a little bit. But I think that would be maybe an okay way to like bolster your your pop. But we'll, we'll have to see. I think it's just it's important to call out that you know like there, there's not only the home run to fly ball is like going up, but I like that the the ground ball rates drop and the strikeouts are dropping. So 
yeah, now, can't be ageist on this show, Steve. Mm-hmm. We gotta we gotta give some shouts. Uh, you know, he's he's just thirty one. He's not thirty seven <laughs> or anything true, like that. True, but, true. Uh, yep. Back back to you. Let's get let's get another hitter from your side of things. Yeah, th- this one was surprising when uh, when looking at the eight one leaderboards. Uh, that's Dalton Varsho. Uh, he has since eight one a two sixty three eleven five sixty uh, triple slash. That's good for one thirty six WRC plus. And you know when you look at the overall line, yeah, sure, the homers and stolen bases are there, which is nice. Twenty-five homers, ten steals. He has been caught six times, which you know is a bit concerning. But you know a two forty-three, three hundred nine, four fifty-nine slash isn't like, oh wow, you know Dalton Varsho was this amazing catcher that I that I drafted. Uh, but since uh, that that uh, eight one arbitrary end date he has just 23 percent strikeout rate um 7.2 percent walk rate so slightly better numbers on the plate discipline wise uh and 12 of those 25 homers have come since 8-1 so there was a pretty large portion you know i think dalton varsho had like eight homers through may something like that and then was really really struggling um but quietly has picked it back up uh, and he has 27 games of catchers this year, so he should have catcher eligibility basically everywhere. I think NFBC is what 20 games, which is you know one of the stricter ones. So um, he's still going to carry that C, and you know maybe he won't play there at all next year since it's just been 27 games. But who cares? We're worried about the next season. Uh, but Varsho w- was surprising me. Uh, that it, that's been a nice. Uh, a homer binge for him since the calendar turned to August. And I was a bit surprised to, to see him up there just because with that slump that he went into in, 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 in uh, May, June, and I think through, through July, I'm looking at the, the monthly splits now. Um, you know, there, there, there was uh, a, a time where, you know, if our show might've been dropped in some links, I think he hit, he just hit 176. Uh, with two homers in June and 250 with three homers in July, but uh, has really picked it up since uh, the, the the calendar flipped. So uh, a name to keep in mind, and you know that that overall line might not inspire uh, some helium that he saw as, as sort of this non-catcher catcher last year. Maybe uh, he'll go around the same price, which I think could be worth it. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it might be the season to do it. If I mean, you look at what he's done this year. He's got 135 games in the bank and counting, and you know most of them are coming in the outfield. So if he's just got enough eligibility to to carry the C, as you put it, but then they're running him out there every day as an outfield DH, then you get a you know you get a volume leg up on like your Real Mutos and Will Smiths and everything because he's not sitting you know, one, one out of every four games. So, it's yeah, crazy. I think it could be a, a, a peak year to grab him, potentially. Varsho has a 99 outs above average and a 96 percentile outfield jump. So a guy who's caught 25 games is one of the best outfielders in the league. It's crazy. Yeah, that that's a, a, a great He's just a like freak athlete, a freak athlete, yeah. Yeah, 25 and 10. Um, you know, the, you'll even take that, that – average where it's at this season but next year it could look even better with some of the plate discipline that you're highlighting so 
Love it there for Varsho. Um, the next one I wanted to call out is is kind of near and dear to me, Steve, because I had Willie Adames uh, flagged in in a lot of leagues as a, a breakout pick. And, you know, o- overall it's been solid enough with, like, the pop especially. That's been the one thing everyone who rostered Adamas was very familiar that it'd be like, oh, here comes one for five with a two-run homer, and it's like, you'll take it, but then there were three strikeouts to go with it, and there was just kind of a frustrating, compared to the expectations of him in Milwaukee for a full season, but whether it was a little bit of the pressing or whatever the case was, up until August 1st, he hit just 219, and a big part of that was probably the 243 BABIP, but the strikeouts were a little bit high with the 27.4%. And it just, you know, it was it was frustrating to, to roster him. There was an injury mixed in there. Since August 1st, uh, batting 275, and the BABIP is back up to 317, which is not unheard of for, for how hard he hits the ball. It's a little bit high. But the hard hit rate is also up from 33% up to 44%. 0.1%, so really kind of dialed in since August 1st, and the strikeout rate has dropped from 27.4% down to 23.6%. So in this little run, uh, he's actually batting 275. Uh, the pop, like I said, has continued the whole season. He now has 30 bombs on the year, seven stolen bases. Uh, the average is just 239, which will probably, you know, I, I doubt he'll raise it enough this year to where people will, you know, see that upside that I still would expect, I think, next year. I think the true talent for Adamas is probably like a 255 to 265 player who can definitely hit 30 homers, help out a little bit with steals. And this was one that me personally, you know, I kind of was burned this season from expectations, at least from average. And so seeing that he's kind of flipped the scripts in the past seven months from a batting average standpoint, I thought was, was worth calling out. But uh, what are your thoughts on Adama and Steve? Here's a nice little nugget for you. I know you don't really think of Adamus as a, a guy that's going to be impacted by the new shift rules just because he's a righty and, you know, sure he has a, a lot of pull side power, but I don't think, uh, you know, it's not like a, Joey Gallo or like Anthony Rizzo or something like that that comes to mind with shifts, but he's been shifted 25% of the time this year, which is the most he's been shifted in his career. Um, his Wobo when the shift is on is 259. His Wobo when there is no shift is 350, 359. So 100 different uh, points different in Wobo with shift versus no shift. Um, so next year with the shift sort of limited it's not really banned it just makes it more risky with uh with, with the rules and having to have two infielders on each side uh and on the dirt uh, mike petriello uh over from baseball uh, mlb.com and savant uh has a great thread on it on how it impacts things and and what it's going to do um now that we know the specifics of the rules but hey uh, this sh- should help Adamus, and I would take the over on you know sort of that two thirty ish batting line that he's going to finish with this year, um, and think of he could be more like a two forty two fifty you know if there's a good BABIP season two sixty sort of guy like you said. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, like, I, oh, you know, the pop is real. Like, yeah, he's he's a thirty home run hitter. You know, in in my mind, uh, essentially, you know, if he plays a full season, so um, definitely a, a, a really good option at shortstop. Yeah, you get the feeling that it won't be kind of a, a sexy name on the draft board because it it kind of was that this year, and I think next year it, it might feel a little bit more oatmeal-y, So. I, th- I think uh, I'm going to be interested to see where the ADP falls with Adamas. But uh, let's go back over to you for one, Steve. Feel free to kind of take it any direction. Uh, yeah, you, you want to uh, – oh, okay, hold on. There, there was one more pitcher here. That's uh, One more hitter here before we uh, can jump into some pitchers. We'll, we'll, we'll talk that too. But um, this was a good one, a, a guy that I wish I held on to. I think I talked about adding him for just a day. In my home league, and things might have went differently if I actually didn't just stream him and hold on to him. But that's Dalton Varsho's teammate, uh, Jake McCarthy. Um, since August first, he is eleventh in the league in batting average. Uh, he's hitting three twenty four. Uh, he's got fourteen steals with that, which is second in the league. Uh, I want to see who's first in the league. I'm going to look that up. Uh, well, I have uh, a second, but uh, what's his name? He's got the funny name. It's a uh, is it is it uh, what is it Bubba? Oh, Bubba Thompson. Bubba Thompson. That's wow, right. that's yeah. uh, that's impressive because Bubba Thompson. Even, uh, I have a, a qualified uh, plate appearance here. Uh, filter on that, but yeah, that that's that's also impressive just because uh, um, Thompson has not been up for that long. Yeah, it's just in, uh, basically that whole time. He, I guess he came up early August. He has 40, 40 games. Um, so good on Bubba Thompson. That's a impressive total in, in just yeah. a month and a half. But back to McCarthy. I mean, uh, you have here he's ranked fourth in five by five over the past month. Uh, he's chipped in five homers since August first. So um, you know, I think once they traded uh, Dave Peralta to the Rays, they just wanted to see what Jake McCarthy has. And I, I mean, you know, I know. The Diamondbacks have Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas and Varsho um, in that outfield. But, hey, maybe that means more catching time for Varsho. They want to move on from uh, Carson Kelly uh, in Arizona uh, because it looks like they have three legit outfielders. I know Thomas has struggled a bit versus lefties, but, you know, McCarthy, Carroll— and, and, and Thomas could be a, a nice little outfield there in, in Arizona. And their their offense has quietly been pretty good uh, in, in the second half. I know a lot of people targeted them as streams in the first half, but it really wasn't wise to do so against Dimebacks. Uh, and McCarthy is a big reason why. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to add. I know uh, he was one of the guys you threw on the list. So, uh, no, I'm sure no, no. Do. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just I'm interested. I put that he's kind of a, a like a Tommy Edmond Jr. Just that there's you're not going to count on the homers, but he might surprise you on a full season with like 13, and then you know the the steals you could probably bank, and maybe this is a two 280 guy that you can rely on. It's it's almost uh, you know it's in that kind of Stephen Kwan prototype but i don't know probably some um, more some more power i think some more power than than edmund and 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 definitely for than kwan too um yeah i I, the barrel rate isn't you know doesn't jump off the page it's just 5.9 percent but hey for a guy that's going to steal this many bases 
you'll take it. You know, Edmonds sort of been that fluctuating between five percent barrel rate and then three in like his down years. Uh, it's up to six point three percent this year. So I think that's a that's a pretty good overall comp. I know Edmonds a bit streaky, um, but yeah, the 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 batted ball metrics are really really similar. I think that's a great comp. Yeah, and I mean it's it's you're gonna I would imagine get it get a discount there. So nice steel specialist that's not going to kill you in other categories really, and and might even you know help and be average in in homers. Um, so yeah, I, I just all around. I know we've talked about him a couple times, and you've brought him up very early, Steve. So credit to you on kind of the diamond in the rough there. But yeah, I just wanted to note again that if you see him cropping up on draft boards uh next year that really ending the season very nicely here um for mccarthy so uh then we get into some pitchers steve and you know we'll we'll have a few that you you can hit on i got a a young guy i want to hit on so we'll we'll talk about pitchers but first we're going to take a super quick ad break we'll be right back Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show Okay, so Steve, you know, one of my first guys I wanted to look out here is uh, none other than Brian Bayo, who I have been invested in. I went out and traded for him in my Dynasty League, and I, I just like what I'm seeing. I know it was really ugly when he, he came up, but since August 1st, in 26 innings, he has had a 26.1% strikeout rate. And really what popped for me the most was the 203 FIP, which was right up there for some of the, the top leaderboards, 10th in the league. The walks are still an issue, but in, in this time frame since August 1st, a 277 ERA, and again, about a, a strikeout per inning. So I still am, am pretty excited about Bayo, and I know it's kind of been a season to forget for the Red Sox, but... This is one that I'm I'm definitely going to be taking flyers on next season, and you know, again, kind of if it's not working early, just be agile on the on the wire and everything. But if he can sort the the walk issues, I think we're kind of seeing that when it, when it goes right, it can go right, and it, it's it's kind of that Dylan Cease thing we talked about. Obviously, a little bit less K rate, but I like betting on the pitchers that all they need to do is sort the walk rate a little bit, and the rest of it could click. So. That's my first one to kind of lead us off. Not sure if there's uh, anything to, to add or your overall thoughts on, on Bayo. I you're, know we, we've sp- talked about him a couple times. You're speaking my love language, man. Like, this is this episode is uh, 
is going to be my pitching staff for 2023. But yeah, these are exactly the type of pitchers that I like to target. And, you know, Bayo might be a little bit more of a late round flyer, but uh, good, man. Uh, I, I hope that line doesn't look as good as he's pitched over the last few few weeks just because, you know, he's had the stuff and it's just sort of a matter of figuring it out and sometimes takes these guys, uh, you know, a few go-rounds up in the majors uh, to take their bumps and bruises. But Bayo's changeup is just absolutely ridiculous. His stuff looks great. Um, that, oh, even, you know, when he was getting – you know, hit hard and 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 bouncing back between AAA and the majors, uh, the stuff was never in question. So, uh, mm-hmm. exactly the type of guy that I'm going to be taking a lot, a lot of flyers on uh, next year. You know, I'm sure we'll be saying, "Hey, you know, drafted Bayo as my SP six, but hey, you know, if things go right, he's my SP two. You know, uh, uh, exactly talk myself into those sort of uh, builds next year and. Uh, Bayo will definitely be a deep target in mine. I think that's a great call. Yeah, and I think, yeah, most of these guys on here, we're trying to avoid some of the, the very top-end names. We did it for yeah. hitters, too. I mean, there were names I was looking at that, like, uh, you know, Arenado and Bregman have just been excellent lately, and it's, like, even better than I yeah. have realized. But it's like, yeah, how much how much can you We wanted to keep the surprise factor here a little bit. But, you know, maybe these yeah. next few guys will be sort of – they're, they aren't super surprises, but guys that I'm probably going to be drafting as an SP2 or, you know, we're bumping them up where if they're, they're ADP's SP3, uh, I'll be bumping up to my SP2. If they're ADP's SP2, I'm going to bump them up to SP1. Like th- those sort of things. That's what I like to do with, with my pitchers. I like to take my, my wrists there and I promise you I'm going to be more conservative and, and, uh, you know, take, well, and your take, other lesson, take hitters, yeah, yeah, take hitters. And with, your other lesson yeah, was take more of them. So maybe yeah. you can run some of these guys like yeah. back to back to back or something. But yeah, for yeah, sure. Let's 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 hear hear one, Steve, and then we'll uh, kind of bounce back and forth. Uh, I, I think this guy was rookie of the month for August, so uh, not too surprising. But that's George Kirby. Uh, since August first, he's had forty four point one innings pitched, a two oh three ERA. A 126 FIP, a 285 FIP, uh, 285 X FIP, uh, a 28.7% strikeout rate, and just a 2.3% walk rate. Uh, and all of that with a 339 BABIP. Um, you know, it probably helps that he's wow. got a 47% ground ball rate, but yeah, this guy has uh, elite, elite command. Uh, he has not given up a home run uh, in this time frame. Like his homer per nine is zero, um, and 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 what's even more interesting about Kirby is that you know Nick talks about it a lot and, and has talked about it a lot um, this year that there's kind of a swing and miss secondary missing, but. I think he's starting to unlock that as he's, you know, upping the usage on his curveball uh, as we go throughout the year. Um, he's added a sinker that he's thrown more, which has helped unlock some swing and miss. Uh, and he's been getting a lot of called strikes with that, too. Um, so I, I really think that there might be another strikeout level here uh, with Kirby uh, and, and 
you know, if that happens, like, look out. That's SP1, you know, with this command, this fastball velocity. Uh, if he could just find that strikeout pitch, and as he's doing that and mixing with his uh, pitch arsenal um, and, and tweaked his cutter, which was, uh, you know, he threw in the beginning of the year uh, to a slider, um, that sort of lines up very nicely. That happened around mid-July um, with with this run. So uh, I, I think that despite this amazing run of a 203 ERA with barely any walks and no home runs, um, there might be e- even another level for Kirby if he could just unlock that secondary pitch and and get more out of his slider uh, and get some get some, get some whiffs there. Yeah, so Kirby is 5x5, five five, ranked 150 right now. So do you think that he might be going like SP3 type of range and you're I, willing to kind of climb I, up I think to SP2? So. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. exactly like that's that exactly what I, what I would uh, uh, be thinking there. Okay, no, I like that a lot, Steve. So let's, let's stay in that kind of uh, that tier. And I know you also wanted to highlight Mr. Drew Rasmussen, who has, has kind of been a little bit of a, I mean, right out of the gate this season, I think people were kind of rushing to add him when they knew he got the rotation spot. And the season line has been pretty solid for Rasmussen. Uh, 126 innings um, on the strikeout rate is 22% on the year. K minus BB is 16.9. Again, these are yearly stats here. But in the past, you know, six, seven weeks, the K rate has gone up to 26.3%. The FIP is just a 234. So a lot to look at with Rasmussen as it comes to his last 44 innings. Is this another guy that you've got marked as kind of a, uh, a late riser on the Steve Giswelli pitching chart? Absolutely. Uh, traded for Willie Adamas, right? I think that was the deal. And Ooh. everyone thought uh, that the Rays got heisted in that or, you know, taken in the cleaners. But, you know, yeah. leave it to the Rays to find a guy I think that had two Tommy John surgeries, was a reliever, and, and turned him into a guy that has, uh, you know, a, an under the three ERA and 128 innings pitch this year, which is absolutely insane. But. You know, uh, he, he's got two really good pitches. By run value, he has a four-seamer at a negative 10 run value and a cutter at a negative 11 run value. Uh, and his slider last year was really good. It hasn't been as good as results uh, with results this year. Um, but, you know, it's still got a 28% whiff percentage and a 33% strikeout rate. Uh, so um, pretty good there uh, across the board with that three-pitch mix. Um, and, you know, since that August 1st, he's gone to, like, another level. It's a 203 ERA, um, a 26% strikeout rate, and just a 3% walk rate. Sure, there's some luck involved here, uh, more so than with Kirby, because he's had a 246 BABIP and 81% left on base percentage, but he does have that forty nice 49% ground ball rate. Uh, you know, keeping the ball in the yard, which which will do him some favors in that luck department. So, um, you know, there might be some more injury concern here just because, 
you know, he does, has had two Tommy Johns. This has been his biggest workload, I think, since, you know, as far back as the data goes uh, on Savant and, and, and just quickly looking at, at fan graphs, I think, you know, it, it would have to be in the minors just because, you know, before this, the, the highest total that he had was last year uh, with 87 innings, um, which, you know, is a bit of, is a bit of concern. But, you know, leave it to the Rays to, to, to find this guy and, and and get the most out of him and, and hats off to them. It's just sort of why you still have to pay attention to when the Rays acquire guys and throw them in the starting rotation. Like, there's a reason. They, they know something. And Drew Rasmussen is the perfect example of that. And I think because of those factors, because of my concerns, the, the, the price still might be depressed next year despite uh, an ERA under three with uh, good peripherals. Yeah, and I think it's going to be kind of a a pairing of names because he's looked so similar to his teammate recently, Jeffrey Springs, who's right next to him on a lot of these boards. And in terms of the the K rate, Springs is at 27% since August 1st. Rasmussen is 26.3%. Rasmussen's control has been even better, and then both of them have been, you know, lights out when it comes to, like, a a sub-three ERA, a sub-one whip. I think, you know, Springs is probably going to go a couple rounds ahead of Rasmussen. And, you know, not to put you on the spot, Steve, but, like, your thoughts on Springs, do you think that that kind of two-round price premium on Springs is going to be worth it, or would you rather hold off and and uh, lean toward Rasmussen? Uh, I think I'd go go Rasmussen just because I, I like his, his uh, the, the actual pitches better with that fastball and cutter. Uh, I think he's got, quote-unquote, better stuff. I don't have your stuff numbers uh, in front of me. But, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. Springs still... Has has three pitches that that have a negative five run value or better in the sinker slider and changeup, five, seven, and eight, respectively. Yeah, so been, he, been the factor. He, yeah, yeah. You know that that probably might be then more of just like a cost. Like I'll take whoever goes later. Like you know mm-hmm. if uh, if if Springs is going earlier, I'll just wait and grab uh, grab Rasmussen. But you know. Um, Springs is, is good too, man. He's great at getting whiffs and 96th percentile in, in chase rate, uh, 72nd percentile in strikeout percentage. I, I definitely would have taken the under uh, on this. And he does limit some, some quality contact too, uh, above average in like barrel and, and average exit velocity too uh, for mm-hmm. all that. So uh, I, I like Springs. Uh, went to Appalachian State. So, uh, you know, I'm sure he had some. Uh, fun when they ex- uh, upset Texas A&M a few weeks ago in football, but uh, I, d- yeah. I digress. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I think the point is we like Ray's pitching, yep. but um, we'll, we'll leave that for another show topic when we start looking at uh, too early ADP and all that good stuff, but the the other one that kind of jumps out at me, Steve, and it's an older name, kind of on brand uh, with me going for the old heads here, but Carlos Carrasco has really looked a different pitcher lately. His last outing, 
granted against the Pirates, six innings, 11 strikeouts, and he's really been putting together multiple really good starts in a row. And Carrasco, under the hood, has started throwing his changeup a heck of a lot more since August and kind of dialed back the slider. So he's definitely tinkering. And from a results standpoint, it looks pretty good here with uh, basically his leading up to August 1st, the K rate was around like 20, or the the K percentage was around like 22. Since then, it's been up to like 28.2%, just a 5.6% walk rate, a 331 FIP. So I know Carrasco, it kind of feels like we've all been down this road and it's a little bit of ups and downs, but he's at least got my attention for the end of the season here on, you know, some of the changes he's made. And I mean, that, that change up that he's now leading with at 35% of the time this month is his primary pitch has a 37% whiff rate, which is great. Um, and overall, I think it's just kind of worth noting that, you know, since Carrasco, Carrasco's returned and kind of, tinkered a bit here that he's really tapping into some good results so that's just another one I wanted to throw into the hat I don't know if you want to add to that at all or if you want to go to to your final pitcher no I think that's a a a great call and and maybe this was an injury thing maybe he didn't have the feel but you know Caresco I he Caresco was like one of my original like late round draft Carrasco as a as, as an ace sort of sort of pick and you know, I rode him in, in many leagues for years, and you know, the knock on him was that he had a bad fastball. He went to the bullpen with Philadelphia, then you know, gained that velocity when he went over to Cleveland, uh, and it and it stuck in the in the bullpen uh, in the rotation when he when he made the move back. But he always got by because his secondaries were just so good, um, including that changeup. And last year, you know, maybe was coming back for, from from injury. He threw the fastball, you know, more than he ever has since basically that 2017, 2016 breakout. Um, so, you know, maybe he just didn't have feel for, for, for his off-speed stuff. And now it looks like that's back. I know that, that you know, this isn't vintage Carlos Carrasco and there's been some blow-ups and it's more of a mid to high three ERA, but... I, I think that, you know, maybe this overall line, just the more steady uh, as he sort of is another year further from the, that injury riddled season. And, I, I, you know, I know it was uh, a bit different, I you know, going through like a cancer diagnosis that that could also uh, lead to some some things. But, you know, he's still great at getting whiffs. Uh, I, you know, I don't think he'll be Carlos Carrasco ace, but I think he could definitely be Carlos Carrasco extremely undervalued 36 year old pitcher you know maybe a charlie morton light type of thing here uh with carrasco just because those secondaries are so good and always have been yeah and i mean it's really well said and so now his season line as you kind of put on your your draft hat for next year and what all managers will be seeing is a a 3-7 era the whip is at a 129 and again, the strikeout rate on the season is like a, a 24%. But just to, to remind that in, in these splits, a 28% uh, yeah. K rate, the whip is down to 0. 
and the ERA I don't have in front of me, but it's been much better. Like over the past month, he's been a 184 ERA, so he's definitely like tapping into it. So yeah, I, I like what you said. It's just kind of that Charlie Morton, like don't forget about kind of the old guys who can mm-hmm. really, you know, you might even be able to grab him as like an SP4. Great, great back end of the staff filler. Yeah, if he's going around there, that's that's absolutely perfect. Yeah, exactly. Well, round us out, Steve, with uh, your final final pitcher here for the uh, late season improvers. Yeah, save my best for last. I don't know if I've officially, like, you know, uh, not that anyone cares or anything, or I, I need to hitch my wagon to one guy, but, like, the guy, the, the guy that's going to be my, or, you know, at, at least the early leader to be, like, my McClanahan cease uh, of next year is Nick Lodolo. Um, I have absolutely fallen in love with what he's been doing over the last, you know, uh, 50 innings and 49 innings pitched since August 1st. He got 349 ERA, 377, 337 FIP, 326 XFIP, but that's uh, with a 30% strikeout rate and a 7.2% walk rate. Yeah, sure, a little bit high walks, but we just spent the whole show talking about how, like, this is the last thing that, that these guys need to unlock. And, you know, the command grades on, on Lodolo coming up, uh, just looking at, like, his fan graph, graphs blurb, uh, is that he has exquisite command, uh, which gives him a good chance to find success uh, in the majors. So, yeah, I, I'm betting that that command uh, improves, especially as he's sort of battled a bit of injury uh, this year. I know that's another knock on him, but, hey, that's sort of the risk you have to take with uh with these guys um the season line for him 87 innings pitch 3.81 era 30.3 percent strikeout rate so you know the same rate that he's been doing it uh, uh since august 1st the 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 walk rate was a bit elevated at eight percent so nice to see that come down even if it's just a little bit um and what i think will keep the cost relatively affordable is the fact that he's only at 87 innings pitched i know he had 10 innings pitched uh or 12 innings pitch in the minors uh, on rehab starts. So, you know, he's close to 100 right now. Um, but that total is going to be what? I'm sure he has probably like three starts left, maybe. So maybe he'll have 120 innings on the major league level, 130 innings overall, something like that. So there will be an innings concern. But I, I say bring it on, you know. Look at... Uh, Look at what McClanahan did after uh, after just uh, you know 130, 140 the year before with some postseason innings tacked on. So uh, I am going to be loving me some Nick Lodolo next year, and he might be a, a guy that I target uh, for a, a, as a a chance to be an SP one uh, for twenty twenty three. Oh, I love it, dude, and. and- for one, on our, our lessons learned, one of the ones we talked about was for all the people we came into the season saying, like, there's going to be an innings limit here and there. Like, sometimes that can be a crapshoot. The guys mm-hmm. you think are workhorses don't work out, and then the guys who you think are 120 go 155 and so on and so forth. But uh, So I like that. I think the other thing is Lodolo has nicely flown under the radar to some extent. I mean, I know everyone knows he's – talented but i think next year the christian javier's the spencer striders like some of those names will be really kind of taking up i mean even 
Kirby's made a lot of noise with just like the ridiculous mm-hmm. walk rate, but like Lodolo with the Reds and everything, I it's not to say that he won't have some helium with how filthy his his line is and his strikeout upside, but yeah, I don't think it's quite to the extent as some of those other flashier names. So I, you know, he was even overshadowed this season coming into it by Hunter Green. If, you yeah, know, for that's sure. That's what everyone was like, oh, yeah, I think Nick Pollock was like, Lodolo is the one to watch, not Hunter Green. So credit credit to Nick on that call as well. But, yeah, I, I love it, man. I think this is a great one. Um, you know, he obviously completely fits the mold for the, the Steve Giswelli try to try to catch lightning <laughs> in a bottle as like an SP1. So, yeah, where, uh, you know, assuming your league mates aren't listening, I mean, do you have a gut instinct? Like, so uh, McClanahan this past season was like around the 100 range. So if we start a benchmark there, I feel like Strider's going to be going much sooner than that. Yes. Lodolo, you know, does, does he land around there around like pick 100 or do you think he goes yeah maybe maybe a little later it's a bad ballpark a bad team um Mm -hmm. the innings concern the injury history you know i know keith law made some noise by excluding him or or keeping him way down on his prospect list because of an injury concern and injury history so um there are some detractors and you know, it just doesn't seem like it's 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 got that Dylan Cease type hype yet. Who knows with draft season? You know, it just needs one popular analyst to do a Twitter thread and break down this amazing Nick Lodolo, you know, pitch <laughs> mix and, and strikeouts and pitching ninja gifts for him to to bump up to pick a hundred, but. You know, it, it seems like, you know, as someone that, you know, loved McClanahan and Cease last year at this time for next year, uh, the hype might not be quite at that level, which gives me some sort of encouragement that it might be an even more affordable uh, cost. And maybe I'll be grabbing him as my SP2, which would be ideal. Yeah, I, I think that seems reasonable. Yeah, maybe uh, just in that next wave a few rounds uh behind that so uh that's great i think the last thing steve and i know it's uh not not a a fully valid one because of uh the injury but we talked about justin Steele a handful of times um and i think we just gotta call out that in the the 28 innings for justin Steele since this date range a 35.5 percent strikeout rate and I feel like he's the one where everyone's just kind of waiting for the regression fairies and waiting for it to come back down to earth. But, uh, man, he's going to be another one that it's almost that Nestor Cortez type of thing where I could hear all offseason people saying, like, I don't think this is for real, but I personally will be taking shots to see if, uh, yeah. you know, 12 strikeouts in in seven innings that has my attention and he's he's hit double digit strikeouts multiple times this year so i'm interested in steel is kind of a sneaky one there absolutely don't let me forget about him next draft season like we did with cortez even though you took him in the pitcherless <laughs> mock draft we were going back and forth off air about how good those teams were i think i had like i had like ju- ju- <laughs> judge alonzo mcclanahan 
uh, oh no, Otani. Uh, yeah, you had I, a good forget staff who else. Too. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone that Nick reamed me on for my staff, it's like, dude, you work for Pitcherless. Come on. You are Pitcherless. This is, it was a good staff. What was wrong with your, you know? Uh, the problem God. is, yeah. as soon as he challenged us, we just folded like a lawn chair. Yeah. We're like, you're, you're right, Nick. You're right. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, no. we're, I don't know what I was thinking with this one. Next, so. next year, we, we when we do, if we do this again, if we do have the the benefit of doing this again, I am definitely going to bring up that my fe- my staff that was ripped to shreds by him. Uh, I didn't take a picture till the eighth round. Of this mock draft was Otani, Darvish, Luis Garcia, Adam Wainwright, Tristan McKenzie. Uh, and Christian and Christian and Christian Javier. So yeah, the that that staff would have done pretty well. I wish this was a real league, but whatever. Yeah, and then he's gonna be like, "Well, Lodolo's not Otani. Yeah, like this can't be your SP one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's great. (laughs) All right, well, that wraps us up for the week. Thanks again, you guys, for for tuning in. Hope the end of the season is being kind to you, and we will still be back at least next week on Thursday as well to kind of uh, wrap up and do some hindsight stuff. So that's uh, everything we got for episode 74. Again, you guys can follow us on Twitter at WindsAbovePod. I'm at Van underscore verified and Steve is at Stav8818. Uh, but that does it, Steve. Any uh, closing closing thoughts or words of wisdom from you? No, man, and uh, enjoy the fantasy baseball while we have it. Uh excited to do a few more regular season shows and then get to this prep so uh thanks as always for talking baseball with us guys talk to you later thanks everybody